You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Software Christian Church. Good to have you all here this morning. Welcome. My name is Kevin Gallimore. I'm the community pastor here at CFCC, and I just want to welcome you on behalf of our church. Thanks for being here and choosing Cypher Christian Church as a place to worship with us this morning. And uh, we have anticipated you coming here this morning. We've been praying for you. We know that God is going to do something in all of our hearts this morning if we receive it. And, uh, and so we are glad that you're here as a, as, as a token of our appreciation for you being here. There's a special gift out at the welcome desk out there in the foyer. If you take one of those connection cards and turn it in there at the welcome desk, we have a free gift for you just to show our thank you and our gratitude for, for you being here this morning. Um, also, in, as I said, we've been anticipating you being here this morning and we're praying for you throughout the week. Uh, the elders met this last week and praying for the needs of the church and we were praying for you this morning as well. Uh, we have a group, you may have seen them if you get here early, we have a, a group that gathers together to pray up here near the front of the church on Sunday mornings at 945 and we want to extend that invitation to you. If uh, you are here early and uh, you want to pray with this, this group of prayer partners, this is an open invitation. We want you to join in. We need as many people praying for our people and our service as possible. And so uh, please join them over there on the side as they pray for the service. And if you're just sitting in the pew uh, just and you, you don't want to maybe join in, maybe they're in the middle of the prayer and you don't want to interrupt them, Just sit and pray in your pews. It is so important that we kind of start a kindling uh, for the work of the Holy Spirit before we arrive on Sunday mornings to be praying for one another and on behalf of one another. And so I just wanted to extend that invitation to you. Prayer partners, pray over here at 945 on Sunday mornings and you're welcome to join them. The other thing that I want to remind you and direct your attention to in your bulletin is the Triumph Sports Camp starts tomorrow. This is a sports camp that's gonna be doing all kinds of different sports, including dodgeball, which I know the kids are gonna have a lot of fun with. And if you haven't signed up your kids, make sure you do it today. It begins tomorrow morning. There's information there in the bulletin and on our website, cfccnet.org. So head that way for more information and get your kiddos signed up. Triumph Sports is coming to your church. All of your favorite sports. All of your favorite games. All of your favorite craziness. All of your favorite coaches. All of your favorite Bible lessons. All of your favorite memory verses. Have fun with your friends and meet new friends. Learn about the Lord, be active, and have a great time at Triumph Sports. Good morning. My name is Shane Reeves. I'm one of the elders here. Um, Never seen me up here because I'm usually back there in my little cubby hole back there in my safety zone. I usually give the mics away and not 
speak with them. Uh, speaking of, this is actually one of the times we would come to take up the offering. Um, Maybe a little awkward for some of you here. Sometimes it is. Uh, but it shouldn't be an awkward thing as far as giving of your tithes and offerings. We want it to be a part of worship. We want it to be something that you enjoy doing. Kind of reminds me, we just had VBS not too long ago. If you've ever been to VBS and watched the kids as they give their offering um, at that time, there's nothing but joy. Um, They usually have an epic battle between the boys and the girls to see who can give the most. So they're always excited about giving their money. And you might say, well, it's probably easy for them to give their money. It's not really their money. It's, uh, you know, their parents are giving them their money. So it's, it's really easy for them to give that money away. But when you really get down and think about it, that's the way we really should. It's a very valuable lesson that we should be learning from our, our kids. Everything that we get, everything that we receive, our jobs, the money, our possessions, everything that we get is given to us by God. So in essence, they're doing exactly what we should be doing. We should be giving the things that God has already given to us before. So there's a couple of scriptures that uh, that we have this morning. um, That uh, first one is um, Psalm 127, one through three. Um, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb, a reward. Um, The second one is um, James um, 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So, like I said, offering should be a joyous, worshipful thing that we do. It shouldn't be something that's done out of either duty or guilt or anything like that. But just keep that in mind as we give our offerings this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much that you have uh, given so much um, to us. Um, The ultimate gift that you've given us is Jesus Christ that you gave to uh, save us. Lord, just pray that you keep on our minds that we should be worshipful as we give, um, should be something that we just give to you out of um, pure gratitude that what you've given to us. Um, just keep us, in your, uh, keep us in your mind. We just pray that you take these gifts and use them the way that uh, they should be used in your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, this morning, before we launch into our message, you, you might want to go ahead and be turning to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. We will um, begin our journey in um, chapter 17, chapter 16, actually. And we're going to follow today's unlikely hero. Um, his name is Elijah. Quite honestly, as we look at his life, he's going to look more like a superhero. We'll be looking for his cape. But before the story is over, we're going to see that he's an ordinary man. That's what James said, the half-brother of Jesus. He's an ordinary man, um, just like you and I. Winfern is a very special place, Winfern High School. 
Um, last Advent, we entered into a uh, time of partnership. We've had a partnership with them year after year after year. We continue that partnership. We're launching it this morning where we collect supplies and gifts actually for the teachers at Winfern. Um, Sometimes it's actual things that help them teach in their classroom. Sometimes it's gifts, gift cards um, that they give to the high school students um, that they teach. These students, um, no fault of their own, many of them have gone through great life struggles. And this is a special environment where they blossom and bloom. Some of the students are really accelerated students and and they want to get out of high school early. Um, Many of them, we've heard their their stories. Many of them are in vocational um, training and they leave high school working jobs. I remember one particular young man Actually, he and a family member um, launched a company, HVAC, heating, air conditioning. It's a pretty incredible story um, right there out of high school. So I hope you will consider what you might do to partner in this project. Sherry Boozer leads it each year. And we'll be gathering these gifts together and we actually present them. And it's incredible. The kids know about this partnership, but it's really the teachers. They're blessed. You know, we've been blessed to be a blessing. Did you know that? We've been blessed to be a blessing, um, both at home and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these opportunities to bless others. And Father, as we bless others, our actions put the spotlight on you, not on us. Father, we thank you that people look to you. They realize what you're doing. They realize the love that you've put in your people's hearts. They realize that that God's people are willing to make sacrifices because we love each other and love the world in which you've placed us. Father, we thank you for your incredible love. Father, we pray that, that you would teach us today In Jesus' name, amen. This past week, um, I took part in a memorial service, a celebration service. Uh, My father was born in 1925, still alive, still quite a character. Um, This man was born in 1929. 1929 was an interesting year, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, Gangs in Chicago, it's believed, it's not known, but believed that Al Capone's gang executed or performed this hit on another group of individuals and murdered them on the streets of Chicago. Um, That year was also the year that um, Motorola introduced the car radio, and um, that's kind of unique. It's also the year of the Great Depression, the Wall Street Crash. 
And that crash changed lives, um, really, of a generation. My father would not eat sweet potatoes for many, many, many years um, because that's all he had to eat um, when he went to school each day. He carried a sweet potato in a can, and that's what he had to eat. Couldn't stand sweet potatoes. There was another event, though, that no one um, really could avoid. And um, that was those dust bowl years of severe drought. And again, changed the lives of a whole generation. It's quite amazing, and I'd never looked at these dust bowl statistics. It's known as the Dirty 30s. And um, there was a severe drought in 1930. And um, then in 1931, um, the first windstorm began to develop. Uh, In terms of acres, um, there were 35 million acres of formerly million acres of formerly cultivated land that was rendered useless. There was 125 million acres, that's three quarters of the size of Texas. 125 million acres that was rapidly losing topsoil. There's severe dust storms called black blizzards. Um, They were two miles high They traveled 2,000 miles to the East Coast. You could not even see the Statue of Liberty or the Capitol building. Is that not incredible? Land prices plummeted. People in many uh, of that middle of the country, those towns, they migrated. They had to find jobs. And it changed a whole generation's life. Those areas really did not recover, many of them, until the 50s. Think of that, the 50s. You see, the circumstances of life, we began this series talking about it, talking about them. We end this series talking about them. Um, We cannot avoid many of the circumstances of life. Elijah could not avoid the situation in which he finds himself uh, when King Ahab takes the throne. I I want you to just see again that James says these words. Look at James 5, 17 and 18. It's in the context of prayer. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. When I thought about the depression and I thought about the dust bowl, I couldn't help but see this connection with three and a half years of drought. I guarantee it had the people's attention. Uh, It had Ahab's attention. And so here's the first principle. The circumstances of life can eclipse my ability to trust God. The circumstances of life 
can eclipse my ability to trust God. You see, there's general circumstances and specific circumstances. And and in Elijah's day, there were general circumstances. You know, in our situation, there's national circumstances, there's economic circumstances, there are cultural circumstances, there's natural circumstances, hurricanes, we know about them, floods, the dust bowl, the dirty 30s, right? Tsunamis, earthquakes, as we've seen recently, volcanoes, plagues. General circumstances. Here's some of the general circumstances in Elijah's day. Ahab becomes king. He did more evil, the Bible says, than all of the kings before him combined. Think about that. It's an evil empire. He married Jezebel. She's a pagan. He served and worshiped Baal, the Canaanite storm god. And so the people of God, they became at the end of the religious spiritual makeup and Baal and the Asherah poles became the center of religious worship. The most evil king of all time. Specific circumstances. You could name them in your own life. Relational. That could include dating relationships, marriage, relationships with children, relationships with people at work. But let's keep work over here. Relational, vocational, right? Work involves circumstances we don't always have control over, right? Physical, well, yes, we can exercise, we can eat right. A dear friend of mine, he retired. This is 25 years ago. He was able to retire in his early 50s. He had been president of an international agricultural company, right? He was smart. He put in chicken farms in East Texas, all paid for. That was gonna be extra play money in retirement. He was found to have colon cancer almost immediately after retiring. At that time, Diagnostic Hospital was here in downtown Houston. The cancer had perforated his colon. It was in his bowel and he did not live long. He could not avoid those circumstances. Circumstances, individual circumstances beyond our control. Sometimes there's financial circumstances beyond our control. Retirement might be affected greatly by financial circumstances. What were Elijah's specific circumstances? Well, several things happen, but before we look at them, let's look at a few verses here. 
First Kings 16.33 about Ahab and the whole general environment. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. I mean, this is very specific. Very clear. Elijah stands before Ahab and says, because of your behavior, because of your leadership, it is not going to rain in Israel. And after he stands up to Ahab and says these things, God says, the word of the Lord came to him. And then in um, verse three, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith which is east of Jordan. So he does exactly what God says. Faith and obedience, faith, obedience, faith, obedience, again and again. God tells him to go to the brook Cherith. He goes to the brook Cherith. There's still water at this brook. God feeds him by ravens, the Bible says. After a long time, the brook quits running, it goes dry, and then it says the word of the Lord came to Elijah again and and go to the widow of Zarephath. That's interesting because she's a Gentile. A Jew, especially a prophet of God, would not normally go to a Gentile woman, a widow, for help. But he does. And so he gets there and he finds this woman gathering sticks at the city gate. And he asked the water for wo- uh, the woman for water, the water for woman. I don't think that's right. Um, the woman for water and she gives him water. And then he asked the woman for a cake of bread. And the woman says, I, I don't have bread. He said, in fact, I'm gathering sticks to cook me and my son's last meal because we're going to eat and then die. Now that's an odd person for God to send you to for care, for a meal, isn't it? You see these life circumstances? It is amazing to me that Life circumstances for Elijah did not eclipse. It did not block his ability to exercise faith. You see, when we have life circumstances like this, if we're not careful, we see these life circumstances as our demise. The end is coming. Things are falling apart. We lose hope, we stop trusting. But you see, in all of these circumstances, faith followed by obedience, like Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, they did this. They didn't just claim faith, they acted on their faith. And so you see, Elijah, all these circumstances were not about his demise, it was about God's glory. So he had great confidence in his God. Have the circumstances of life 
helps you to have great confidence in your God? Or is your faith shaky? Are you losing hope? Is it hard to trust? Elijah had every reason to lose hope for his faith to be shaky, but he trusts God anyway. Do you hear me? This is about real life. This is about where we live. I didn't say it. James said it. He's an ordinary man just like you and I are. He's not Superman. He's not Batman. He's not Captain America. He really is an unlikely hero. When you look at all that is taking place in his life. Look at 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. In the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. You see, another way of talking about demise or God's glory is whether we're going to live by faith or whether we're going to live by, jump in there, take a chance, sight. Faith, sight. Sight tells us one thing, faith tells us another thing. And Elijah chooses to live by faith. He encounters a man by the name of Obadiah, not the prophet Obadiah, but a servant of Ahab named Obadiah. And he says, Obadiah, take me to Ahab. And Obadiah says, are you crazy? Elijah's been searching in every kingdom for you because he wants to kill you. And if I go to him and say, Elijah's here to meet you, he'll kill me. Don't you know, Elijah, I'm really a good guy. I've hidden Jezebel's killing the prophets of God. I'm hiding the prophets of God. In fact, I hid a hundred prophets of God in different caves. And I think Elijah says, well, okay, I'll just go myself. And he goes and stands before Ahab. And he tells Ahab, says, Ahab, I have a proposition for you. I would like for you to gather all of Israel And I would like you to call forward the 450 prophets of Baal. And I would like you to call forward the 400 prophets of Asherah. And and if their God's God, so be it. If my God's God, so be it. We're going to have a little contest. Now, really, if you'll read God's word, that is what Elijah proposes. He says, there'll be two bulls and I want those prophets to um, put the bull on the altar. So slaughter the bull, put it on the altar and I want them to pray to their gods that fire would fall from heaven. 
And then I'm going to cut up the bull and place it on the altar. And I'm going to pray to my God and ask him to send fire from heaven. And whoever sends fire is the one true God. It's really kind of strange. And so the prophet of Baal pray and pray and pray. And it says, as was their practice, they start cutting themselves. They start shedding blood, I guess, to get their God's attention, to bring down fire from heaven, and fire never falls. And then Elijah starts praying to his God. He prepares the altar first, 12 rocks symbolic of the people of God, the tribes of Israel, a wooden altar, a bull on the altar. He says, hey guys, go get four buckets of water and I want you to drench the altar. Now the prophets of Baal didn't do that. And he said, hey guys, I want you to go get four more buckets of water and drench the altar. Then he said, hey guys, I want you to get four, don't worry, this is the last time, four more buckets of water and drench the altar. And it says there was a a trench around the altar and it filled with water. Fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood and consumed the rocks. They were all consumed. The people of Israel, the people of Israel immediately responded. They knew their God had shown his face. They knew they'd been pagans. They knew they'd been adulterers. They had chased after other gods and neglected their own God. And so Elijah says, go and slaughter all the prophets of Baal. And they do. Jezebel finds out about that and said, "Um, I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. Just like you slaughtered all of them, I will slaughter you. Now, guys, I want you to pause right here. Are you impressed with Elijah? Pretty amazing story, is it not? Now, you know what I've already told you, but if I haven't told you, does he look like a superhero at this point? Do you feel like you're just like him? Well, I don't. But then the story changes dramatically. And I identify with Elijah. You see, because discouragement becomes the norm in his life. Discouragement. And discouragement, our life circumstances can eclipse our ability to trust God. Discouragement can also eclipse my ability to trust God. discouragement. 1 Kings 19, 2. I believe there's always some factors that contribute to discouragement. Fear. Fear contributes to discouragement. Fear of the future. Fear of what's going to happen. 
fear of losing your job, fear of going bankrupt, fear of dying, diagnosis you've received, fear, 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 fear. Is fear a part of life? It is. I'm not telling you you're a sinner because you've been afraid. I'm simply saying if we live in our fear, the obvious outcome's discouragement. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, verse one and two, and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Jezebel doesn't mess around. I'm gonna take you out by tomorrow. And Elijah runs for his life. His boldness is gone. He runs for his life. Verse three and four. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. So not only is he afraid, he's all alone. Isolation contributes to discouragement. Look a little further. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. How big a contrast is this? He's ready to die. He's afraid. He's alone. He wants to die. He looks human right now. He looks ordinary right now. He looks like an unlikely hero right now. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He's experiencing fatigue, stress, fear, isolation can contribute to fatigue. He's running, it contributes to fatigue. There are uh, responses to all these items, that's a whole nother message. But admitting fear, admitting that you're isolating yourself, admitting fatigue, it's a good thing. Admitting discouragement. And so God miraculously supplies his need and sends an angel to him who wakes him up and feeds him one time, then feeds him a second time. And then God instructs him to go to another place Because you see, God longs to meet us in our discouragement. Not leave us. Meet us in our discouragement. Now guys, I want to take a few moments to talk about something that some of you might not agree with, but but I want you to think and And trust me, faith 
plus obedience does not equal your preferred outcome. God is not a gum machine that you put in faith and obedience and you get this formulaic result. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's someone coming to know Christ. I don't care if it's growing a church. I don't care if it's making disciples. I don't care if it's your marriage. It's your parenting your children. There's no A plus B equals a guaranteed C in life. My friend, he did everything to have an incredible retirement and he died a year after retiring. I I didn't tell you the rest. I baptized him before he retired. He was a friend before, but he came to know Christ in that in-between time. No formula. I can tell you, though, a formula. Faith plus obedience equals God. God will never leave you or forsake you. You will never be alone in life as a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, this might be the place you struggle, but unfaithfulness plus disobedience equals God as well. You might be far from God today, but he's drawing you to himself. He wants you to meet him, and so he is right there wanting to meet you. He knows you. He knows who you are, what you've done. And he wants to welcome you into relationship with himself. Maybe you are a faithful follower of Jesus. Please don't believe the formula lie. Oh, I believe there's good principles for parenting, good principles for marriage, good principles for health. Good um, principles for financial investment, security. Good principles. All I'm saying are none of those are guarantees. But there's one guarantee. God will be present. He's rich when we're poor. He's strong when we're weak. He's present when we feel alone. And Elijah's about to encounter that. He goes to the cave that God tells him to go to, the mountain and then a cave. He goes into the cave and, why are you here? God, why are you here? Hey, I'm, I might, what is it, because you told me to come here? <laughs> but he said, because I'm a prophet of God, and he thought he was the only one left, See, he felt all alone. And you might feel all alone in your circumstance that you're the only one in this room experiencing what you are. You're not. He said, I've been faithful. 
and your people have all turned away from you and I've stood faithful and they want to kill me and I'm running for my life. God says, I want you to do something, Elijah. Look at chapter 19, 11 through 13. And we're wrapping things up. God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It's kind of interesting. God caused it, but he's not in it. Read a little further. And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. These are pretty dynamic things. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God speaks. He meets us in our discouragement. We have to be still enough to hear him. You see, we want to see him and hear him in the miraculous, in the amazing miracles. But God comes to us and he's in the still, small voice. He wants us to be still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. I guarantee I have as much problem being still as the vast majority. More so than the vast majority in this room. You get what I'm saying? I'm your pastor. I have a problem being still. Now, some of you say, well, I've been around you. I'm not that shocked, (laughs) right? (laughs) But you see, if you want to meet God, you might want to be still. If you want to meet God, you might shut your mouth and listen to what he's trying to say to you very quietly. Through his word, through his spirit, through a friend. Have the circumstances of your life eclipsed your ability to trust God? Only you can answer that question. Have or has discouragement 
eclipsed your ability to trust God? Only you can answer that question. I just want you to know God wants to meet you. He's in the circumstances of life. This world's not out of control. It looks like it. God's still in control. Your life's not out of control. God's still in control. He wants to meet you in your life. He will. Be still and know that I am God. It's not always easy to do. But when you finish trying to fix things in your own strength, I I hope you'll remember what I'm telling you. Be still and know that he is God. Turn to God. Give him the circumstances. Give him your discouragement. Some of you are clinically depressed. You might need to see a counselor. You might need to see your doctor. Isolation, fatigue, right? Fear, anxiety. Please don't. I want to meet you. Meet you in this that you're dealing with. Oh, I I just want you to know A plus B does not equal C. Do you hear me? You can love Jesus and struggle. My hope is that you will struggle well. Ordinary people. Ordinary people. Unlikely heroes. You, my friend, are a person God longs to work through, to bless a nation, to bless a community, to bless a workplace, to bless a family in need because you have been blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pray with me. Father, I'm always stunned by how honest your word is. Just as we saw in David's life, just as we saw in Samson's life, just as we saw in Moses' life. You work in the lives of flawed people for your glory. Each and every one of these men were unlikely heroes, yet you use them for your glory. Father, I pray for each person who is struggling with life circumstances totally outside of their control. Father, I pray for those who are in the midst of discouragement, discouragement at work, discouragement in their marriage, discouragement as a parent, discouragement because of health situations, discouragement because of finances, discouragement. Father, may we lean into you this morning as we come to this table of grace, may we each and every one, each of us who claim 
a relationship with you through faith in Christ, claim to be followers of Jesus, may we rest in your grace. May you open our eyes to your greatness as we partake of our Savior's body, as we're reminded that we are cleansed and we are flawless because of the blood of Jesus. Father, we celebrate this now in Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer partners will be up front along with those serving communion. Our prayer partners will be in back. I encourage you, don't live alone. Don't live alone in difficult circumstances. Don't live alone in discouragement. Share your burden. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Won't you come? You know, part of this story that I I think we might miss is the beginning. God loved his people too much to leave them where they were. Yeah, they had believed a lie. They were worshiping that which was false. And he knew that they would only find real life through him. So he sent a man named Elijah to lead the nation out of that terrible place. God is good. When we hear truth that we really don't want to hear, he's good. He's always good. He's a good father. We need people speaking truth into our life that we don't want to hear, right? Just had uh, um, uh, an attender today share a story. Um, Didn't know that they had Lyme disease, but that is what they had. Had been sick most of their life. Were taking over 40 pills a day. And in January, for the first time in their life, they are no longer taking 40 pills, zero pills a day. Just wanted to share that because she said, if I can share my story to help others going through incredible physical difficulty, I just want to be an encouragement. Now remember, A plus B does not equal C. Remember, my friend died, right? But God wants us to be a people of hope. Faith plus obedience equals God. He's here. If you'd like to pray with a partner um, in back and up front, prayer partners. Don't be afraid to pray. Pray where you're seated, but if you'd like to pray with a partner, we want to invite you to do that. We give you thanks for this day. We thank you that no matter where we are, no matter what circumstance, your grace finds us. Your grace is with us, washing over us. Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, the provider of that grace. Bless you.
God bless you. Have a great day.